I'm Derek Walker, the pastor of the Oxford Bible Church. We're on a series on being called Being a Disciple of Jesus. And today I want to look at what I consider is like the fundamental revelation that is necessary for us to, to really uh, live and enjoy the life of being a disciple of Jesus. Uh, that was the original name for Christians, by the way, was, was disciples and um, followers of Jesus. And we saw last time that really being a disciple is all about loving the Lord, that our heart was one to him through the gospel. And because he loved us first and we embrace that love, now we love him. And now we want to live that out as a disciple. There's a key revelation that is, is really very rarely taught and understood. And that's why I believe we often have trouble with our flesh uh, in, in actually uh, being a disciple, being a follower of Jesus. Um, and if we really embrace this revelation that I'm going to share with you today and next time, then we'll find that, that it, it becomes a very natural thing. And uh, it's, it's really uh, the, the thing that will break the power of covetousness in our lives. And uh, it's, it's all about our identity, who we are now now that we've accepted Christ as our Lord and Saviour. I'm going to start with a verse uh, from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Do you not know that your body is, a temp is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. And this is a very strong statement. It's saying that because we've been bought with a price, with the blood of Jesus, we were redeemed. We've been purchased for God. It means that redemption is not just that we have the price has been paid to set us free from sin, but actually we've been purchased to belong to God. And it says that we are not our own. We are owned by God. And uh, another way of saying it is that we are, we are slaves of Christ. Now that may shock you if you haven't heard that before, but we need to understand we are not just servants of God, we are slaves of God, which the difference is that a servant hires himself out, but a slave is owned by the master. And we, are, we actually belong to Jesus Christ. And that means everything we have really belongs to him. And this is a key revelation that if we, once we embrace this, will we'll be very liberating. Um, so notice it says, we are not our own. We are bought at a price. Therefore, because we belong to him, we are to glorify God in our body and in our spirit, which are God's. God owns our body. God owns our spirit. He he is the one who has the right to, to define who we are and make us who we are. He's our creator and our redeemer. And notice this is connected with the Holy Spirit being in us. And in fact, the Holy Spirit in us is the sign that we belong to him. When we gave our heart to Jesus, he put his spirit in us. And other scriptures talk about the Holy Spirit in us is, 
is, is the sealing. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. What that means, that's his, God's mark of ownership upon us, is the Holy Spirit within us. The presence, of, and the more we surrender to his ownership, the more we have the presence of the Holy Spirit within us. He's, and holy means he sets us apart to God. It's all to do with God owning us and God possessing us. And how does God possess us? It's through his Holy Spirit who sets us apart or sanctifies us unto God. And the more we are sanctified unto God, the more we are free from sin. And understanding this um, solves a paradox that's in the Bible. Uh, my title here, which 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 uh, expresses this paradox, is owned, but possessing all things. And from one point of view, we we own nothing, because we are owned by God. And yet, because He is such a loving, generous Lord, we possess all things. He gives us all things, and so we can be poor and rich at the same time. Let's look at the paradox in Matthew 5.3. Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And here he talks about those who are poor in spirit. This used to bother me. I said, I'm not poor, I'm rich in Christ. But what he's saying is, blessed are the poor in spirit, or poor as far as spiritual things are concerned. But then the paradox is that actually you are rich because it says theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's like we have all things in the kingdom of heaven. It belongs to us. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But on the other hand, we are poor in spirit. And notice he says we are, if we're poor in spirit, then we are blessed. And the blessing of God flows in our life and all things in the kingdom of heaven are ours. And so... If you are poor, then you are rich through the blessing, which causes you to possess all things in the kingdom. Now, the equivalent in Luke, Luke 6.20 says, Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Now, here, Luke doesn't even talk about poor in spirit. He just says poor. And um, this troubled me as well, because, of course, the Bible also talks about poverty being a curse and that God wants to bless us with many blessings. So why would Jesus say, blessed are the poor, for yours is the kingdom of God? So this also includes physical things. Blessed are the poor. And so he's saying here, if you are poor in spiritual things and in physical things, you are rich. You know, that is a paradox. Now, a paradox is not a contradiction. Now, for instance, the Trinity, if you like, if you put it in the way that you might say God is three and yet God is one, that would be a paradox because it, it's an apparent contradiction. But you solve a paradox uh, simply by understanding that, for instance, in the terms of the Trinity, God is three in one sense, three persons, and yet he is one in another sense. He is one being. And so you solve the paradox that it's because you look at something from two different viewpoints and you get two apparently different answers, but they are consistent. And so paradoxes also often hold the key to great mysteries. And so we solve the pro this, pro this paradox 
this paradox is that in one sense we are poor, then in another sense we are rich. And the key I want to share with you today is it's the difference between ownership and possession. You can possess something without owning it. And there's a key difference between ownership and possession. Uh, before I explain that, let me just give you some other similar scriptures with a paradox. Because 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10, it says, As poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing all things. In other words, owning nothing, yet we possess all things. How can we own nothing and possess all things? Joel 3.10, let the weak say, I am strong. Well, come on, am I weak or am I strong? How can I be both weak and strong at the same time? 2 Corinthians 12.10 says, when I am weak, then I am strong. How are we to understand this? Do, can I possess strength and yet I don't own strength? So let's, let's see how that uh, can be solved. Ownership and possession. That does not mean the same thing necessarily. Let me give you one example that's in the Bible. God gave Israel the promised land and he wanted them to possess it by faith. He promised it to them and he wanted them to possess it, take possession of it by faith and he wanted them to enjoy it to the full. And this is a picture of the land of blessings that God wants for us. He wants to bless us with every blessing. He loves us and he promises us many things and he wants us to possess those things he wants us to possess those promises okay but I want you to notice that God kept the ownership of the promised land although he gave them the promised land he didn't give them ownership but he gave them right of possession they possessed the promised land but they did not own it the technical word would be they were a tenant possessor so if somebody gives you one of their houses to live in, being very generous to you and lets you, you live there, um, you are a tenant possessor, but you do not own the house. Okay, that's the difference. Now, if Israel forgot God and they forgot him that he was the owner, that what happens then is that they would take that for granted. All right. What can the danger is that we try and own what God has given us? All right. There's a difference between possessing what God gives us and owning it. Okay. If you start thinking you're the owner, then you start taking it for granted. And what happened with Israel is that they forgot God. They forgot that God gave them this land, and they started thinking they were the owner that this was just theirs by right, that they, would, uh, they, they started acting like they were the owner. They forgot God. And actually, Deuteronomy 8, God actually warned them against this. He says, be careful when you're in the land and you're enjoying all these blessings that you don't get lifted up in pride and you forget God, that, that they had these things from God but simply by his grace. And they f f forget that he's the source of their blessing. And... Uh, and he says, for instance, beware that you start saying in your heart, my power and the might of my hand has gained me this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it's he who gives you power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant. So when they forgot God, 
they started acting independently from God and they started then going after other gods, other idols to establish themselves. And God said to them, if you do that, you'll perish and you'll even get kicked out of the land. So in other words, that's why Israel were removed from the land. They were unable to possess their land. God wanted them to have it, but they disqualified themselves from the blessing by acting independently from God, acting as if they owned the land. And they just kind of then took God for granted and forgot about him. And that's what can happen to believers. They, the, the blessings that God gives them in their life, they act as if, well, they own it. They, they, des- they, owned, they deserved it themselves. They, they, they um, got it. And they forget that it's only, they only have their jobs. They only have the roof over their head. They only have the, the peace and so on of God because God graciously gives it to them. They start thinking of themselves as the owner of these things and then uh, they, get, they cut themselves off actually from God's blessing. And, um, and so God had to remove the Israelites from the land because uh, that they started rejecting God as the owner of that land. And this is the essence of sin, that we claim ownership so that we can be independent from God. We want to be our own person and we don't want to be a slave of God. We don't want to be owned by God so that God has ultimate control. Let me illustrate the difference here. Let's say you were given the choice of owning your own house and your own money or alternatively, you own nothing. But you have a rich, loving provider who will provide you your house and enough money for, 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 for your needs. What would you choose, given those two options? Well, I'm sure you want to own the house and the money yourself. Why? Because that would give you independence. That would give you control over everything, rather than having to be continually dependent on this other person, however generous they are. Now, on a human level, this is quite understandable. I, I know I would choose to, to, to own that house. But in our relationship with God and our life with God, we need to understand that it's governed by the truth that God is the owner of all things. And God is the owner of us. And uh, therefore, we have to depend continually on God's grace and God's life and God's provision. We, mustn't, we can't take that for granted. We are not the owner. In other words, um, we need to know that God owns even us, our spirit, soul and our body, and every blessing belongs to God. God may give it to us, but not in the sense that we now own it so that we can be independent from God. See the difference between ownership and possession. God wants us to possess all things, but he will not allow us to be the owner of those things. He wants us to stay dependent on him. If we try and own the things that God gives us, then that blocks the blessing of God in our life. Because we want to take ownership, that's what covetousness is. We want to take ownership then God can't give that because all the more he gives us, just 
that establishes us in our rebellion against God, in, in our wanting to be our own God. And so there is something in us that rebels against God's ownership of us because we want to be independent from God. We want to be our own God. We want to define ourselves. We want to have the control over our lives rather than trusting our Creator and His will for us. And this goes to the very essence of sin. The very essence of sin is that we want to own ourselves. We want to be independent from God. This is the essence of our identity. Do you see yourself as an independent being from God? Or do you see yourself as someone who's essentially needing God continually? Um, you see, that's why Jesus said this is the, pr the first beatitude. The very first beatitude is blessed are the poor, because this is the most fundamental issue. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. In other words, if you realize you are poor, what that means is that you own nothing. You own nothing spiritually. You own nothing physically. You don't even own yourself. You are the poor in that sense. You don't own anything. God owns everything. God owns you. You see that? Um, you are as a slave who owns nothing. But praise God, you have a wonderful Lord and owner. Praise God. And called Adonai. The word Adonai is a name for God that means master and owner. He is our owner. And so when we know that we are poor and we stop trying to own the things in our life, the blessings in our life, then we are blessed and the blessing of God is released in our life, enabling us to possess all things. The whole kingdom of God is ours. And the main thing that stops us receiving and possessing the blessings of God is our covetousness that we are trying to own it. And um, it's, it's like, um, I, I think of, uh, there's a, a monkey that, uh, there's a jar, rather, of cookies. And uh, the monkey puts his hand in the jar, but the width of the jar is such that when he tries to grip the cookie, he can't get his hand out again. So he's stuck now. That's what covetous is, is like when we try and possess, try to own this thing. Now our consciousness is trapped by that thing. You can't let go of that thought. You can't let go of that worry. You can't let go of that uh, possession. You, you're trying to own it. And what you have to do is you have to release that hand. And then your hand is free just to receive whatever God is giving you. But when, you're, when we're in covetousness, we cannot uh, possess the blessings of God. Um, for instance, imagine you are a wealthy man uh, and you have a manager. You're so wealthy, you, you have a manager who looks after your money and your stuff and all of that. Would you entrust much to a manager who thought and acted as if it was his money? not yours. In other words, he would just feel free to, to just treat it as if it was his own, like he was the owner. No, you wouldn't, would you? You wouldn't trust him with much at all. And uh, you see, God, if you act like you are the owner of your blessings, uh, then God can't trust you with much. Because, again, 
you don't realize the first principle that he, he, although he gives these things for you to enjoy, you are not the owner. You are not in control of those blessings, but you depend on God for them. And so we limit how much God can bless us by our covetousness. To experience the fullness of blessing, we have to surrender to God's ownership of us and the blessings of God. And, uh, you know, the one thing that will stop you possess your promised land is to covet it. That's what the flesh does. It wants to covet it. It wants to own it so that I can be independent from God. Oh, just heal me, God, and then I can get on with my life. But God isn't going to move on that basis because you're asking on the wrong basis. To possess the promises, you have to surrender ownership, not just of the blessings, but of yourself to God. And so when we talk about receiving healing, for instance, not you, we shouldn't try and do it in the sense of ownership, but the fa- in the way that we just ask God to fill us with his healing power. And we possess that healing, but we don't own it. And so we have to depend on God moment by moment to keep us in health. All our spiritual blessings and the physical blessings, we are not the owners because ownership only belongs to God. We are just the steward. We are the manager of God's blessings. The wisdom that you have, the honor you have, the glory you have, the blessing you have, the happiness you have. Don't try and own it. You have to receive it from God moment by moment. The moment you try and own it, it shrivels up. And um, when you think you own something, you, you take it for granted. And that's true in relationships, by the way. It's when, when, let's say, a married couple, for instance, once they kind of think they kind of own the other one, then they take them for granted. And um, what we need to do is realize that they are ours in the sense that they, we possess them, they belong to us, but only because they freely give themselves to us and, and that is, is a gift of God to us. But we, we shouldn't take that for granted. You see, but once you think you own something, you just take it for granted and then you devalue it. And so we understanding uh, this changes our attitude towards the the blessings of life. Um, Don't take the the provider for granted. If, say, you have this person who continually gives you a house and money, but you are dependent on his grace every day, because he could pull the plug at any time. You would stay grateful. You would would stay, you you wouldn't um, take that for granted. And so we need to be like that with God. We need to realize every moment, God, you're you're giving me life. I don't own it, but you are giving that to me by your grace. You are giving me those good ideas. You are my provider in that way. And we need to let our take our hands off it so that we don't become covetousness over it. Um, covetousness is not being satisfied with possessing the blessing of God as God gives that to us, we're not satisfied with that because we want to, to, to own them and be independent from God and not have to depend on God. That's the nature of the flesh. So God wants us to possess every blessing, but we have to learn to yield the ownership to God.
And that's, you see, where what went wrong in the Garden of Eden. You see, God created this garden for Adam and Eve, and that represented all his blessings for them. And he was ready to give them so much more, but this was just the starting ground. But God established the fact that he was the owner of the garden by telling them there was this tree that they could not eat of. And while they did not eat of that tree, they uh, were acknowledging that God was the owner. You see, if they were the owner, they could eat any tree they want. But, but God was the owner, and therefore God had the control, and therefore he said, I have the right to say that you can't eat of that tree. That was God establishing his ownership. And that gave them a way to submit to his ownership. So you will understand that the fundamental sin of Adam and Eve is that they rejected God's ownership of the garden, God's ownership of the blessings. They weren't satisfied that God provided all these things for them. They wanted to possess these things for themselves. They wanted to actually have the control themselves. As Satan says, you could be, if you eat of that tree, you can establish your own ownership. You can be as God. You can be independent from God. You can know what's, what's right and wrong, good and evil. And the whole temptation is to cast off God's ownership and take possession of the garden themselves. And not just do that, but to take ownership of themselves, that they are no longer owned by God and that the garden's no longer owned by God, that they would now have ownership themselves. And as a result, that was the fundamental sin, that independence from God. And because of that, God kicked them out of the garden. Because they did not have ownership, because they claimed ownership, God said, okay, you're cut off from that blessing. And whenever we, this is the thing that stops us receive the blessings of God more than anything else. We, are, we covet them. We want to own them rather than just stay in submission to God and receive them, continually receive them as his provision for us. And so if you are clinging on to something, surrender it back to God and trust him to provide for you in every way. We are surely well into the end times. And I've got two books that will really help you understand the times we're living in. First is the pre-tribulation rapture. Uh, if we understand the truth of the rapture, we understand that Jesus could come at any time. And this is our great hope and expectation. Uh, and so we need to be informed about that. And um, secondly, events in Israel are reaching a possible climax with the annexation of the West Bank or part of the West Bank. Um, this could be the trigger for a major fulfillment of prophecy in Ezekiel 38, which talks about a tremendous invasion of the mountains of Israel. And then God's going to step in a divine intervention that will trigger a great revival. And I've written it all up in this book, The Imminent Invasion of Israel. You need this to be ready for what is about to happen very soon. Thank you for watching. Join with us at Oxford Bible Church every Sunday at 11am Greenwich Mean Time for our live stream service or join us at Cheney School, Headington, Oxford, ox 37 qh You can watch more of our teachings on our Roku channel and Derek Walker's YouTube channel.
all Derek Walker's books are available in printed and Kindle versions in all Amazons worldwide or online with other great products where you can also support our programs at www.oxfordbiblechurch.co.uk or by calling 01865 515 086.